two, the two theme scriptures that we are really going to be focusing on and thinking about. And the first one is, I am not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1, verse 16, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Just think about that for a second. A message that gives salvation to everyone. Everyone, every single person, whether they be a, a, a loud sinner or a, a secret sinner, whether they be someone who's self-righteous or understands how unrighteous they are, whoever they are, whatever they did, Christian killer or Pharisee uh, like Nicodemus. You know, we got Paul who was killing Christians, and we have Nicodemus, right, who was, would probably would say a a very righteous Pharisee. And yet, in God's sight, he was a sinner, and he needed forgiveness. It's a gospel that saves everyone. It's the very power of God to everyone who, what, church? Believes. <clears throat> to who believes. It brings salvation. And I think sometimes if we can forget that, right? We can forget about... The faith part of the gospel, we can work as, as we think about our, our you know, world that we live in. It's about what you can do for me. The phrase is, what have you done for me lately? You know, if you're working, how are you valued to the company? What have you done lately that values you? If you're, if you're an employee, what have you done? If you're managing people, well, how are you doing with that? We, we, it's performance, right? It's performance, performance, performance. Some guy could be on the top of the charts, but now he's no one, right? And we think that way when it comes to everything we do. And then with the gospel, it's totally changed. It's about our faith. Mm -hmm. And it's a powerful thing. Because in that, we can do greater things through faith than we could do through works. We can be greater. And that was God's plan. God knows our hearts. God knew that law wasn't going to work, that the works weren't going to work, that ultimately what works is grace. What works is faith and salvation through grace, through Jesus Christ. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteous that is by faith, from first to last, just as written, the righteous will live by faith. How righteous is God? I think about that for a second. God is the most holy, righteous person, and yet we received in the waters of baptism the very righteousness of God. Think about the top three worst things you did as a Christian right now. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the top three worst things you ever did in a Christian. And it's hard to do that, right? You don't want to go back there. And, and to recall the fact that you knew that what you did was wrong, but you did it anyways. You, your conscience was stricken. The Holy Spirit was, was grieved, and you felt it in your heart, and yet you did it anyways. And yet even though you did it anyways, God has given you his very righteousness. And so, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, we can stand, amen, as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 
We stand and are saved. Every day you wake up, you wake up saved by the gospel. Every day you wake up, you're saved by the gospel. Every day you wake up, you have been baptized. Not by water, amen, <laughs> but by the Holy Spirit. But by the blood of Jesus, you have been baptized. Every second of every day, you stand in the waters of baptism in a figuratively speaking way. And I want you to think about the fact that you're here, I'm here. We're going to be on Judge Day because of this gospel. This, this righteousness of God that's been revealed to us by faith. Amen? Amen? I want you to think about another passage here that I'm still trying to learn myself. This scripture, how much did Paul know, by the way? I would like to know Paul's Bible knowledge. Wouldn't you like to know his knowledge on the law? This guy would just quote the Old Testament like movie, you know, movie scenes. You know what I mean? You talking to me? You know, he, he was able to do that in a way that no one else could. He could just, he could just quote the Old Testament. Did he know the whole book of Deuteronomy by heart? I mean, I wouldn't put it past the guy. There's Muslims in countries now that are 10 years old that have memorized the whole Quran. Isn't that crazy to think about? They're 10 years old. They've memorized the whole Quran. They can say it to you. They can sing it to you. And you're telling me this guy, this guy Paul, I bet you he knew the whole Old Testament in a way that would frighten us, in a way that would move us, in a way that would, you would be, wow, this man is learned. This man knows the word of God. And yet he says in 1 Corinthians 2.2, for I'm resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Church, what does that mean? What does that mean? Did he know nothing? Well, we know he didn't know nothing, right? That's not even correct English. But he knew a lot, amen? He knew a lot. I mean, just read Romans. You'll see really quickly how much he knew. But what does he mean by I was resolved? First of all, for I resolved. He made a decision. He made a conscious decision that everything else was rubbish compared to the gospel. Compared to Jesus Christ and him crucified, everything else was just details, was just the other details of life and, and godliness. What was the most important thing for him? There was a man named Jesus Christ, and he was crucified for me. Now, what about you? What about me? What am I resolved to know? Man, I know a lot of things, and I talk about a lot of things, and I focus on a lot of things. Amen, church? We focus on a lot of things. Well, I'm working on this in my character. I'm working on that in my character. All that's awesome. And I'm working on this, and I'm going after this, and this is my dream. But what are you resolved? Paul was resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And yet when he had that, he had everything he needed to be. Can we just say he was the best Christian that ever lived? Can we just say he, he, he's in the spiritual hall of fame as the most in touch Christian with his own sin and the most close to Christ. If we can even say that, if I dare say that, he would never let you say it. He'd say I was the worst sinner of all, wouldn't he? He wouldn't let me say this. It would almost be blasphemy to him 
that he would be the best Christian, even though he killed Christians. But yet his life showed it, that he was the most grateful Christian. And why was he the most grateful Christian? Paul, just by the way, personality-wise, he seemed sharp, didn't he? He was a guy that, you know, he might have rubbed people the wrong way sometimes. You know, you, you know people like that, truth speakers. Paul was a truth speaker, right? He's the only guy in the New Testament that could rebuke Peter. No one else rebuked Peter. Paul did. He rebuked him. Jesus rebuked Peter. Not a lot of people stepped to Peter. Not even John stepped to Peter. But Paul stepped. You know, when, when he slapped, when the high priest slapped the guy in the face, you know, Paul in the face, he said, what are you doing, whitewashed tomb? Right? Right away it came out of his mouth. Whitewashed tomb. Remember that scripture? And then he's like, don't you know you're talking to the high priest? And he's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I did not know I was talking to the whole the high priest. You know, Paul was a true speaker. He wasn't naturally somebody who was mushy and gushy. Can I get an amen? amen. He was not a mushy gushy. Oh, I can only get people that do that. Just only mushy. But no, he made a conscious decision. His spiritual discipline was, I'm going to know nothing except Jesus Christ and and isn't it the most, when you focus on something, isn't that the most powerful thing in anything you do? What is the thing we need to focus on in a Christian life? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ. That's a lot right there. That's a lot. Those two words, that's a lot. But then He, crucified, he was crucified. Why was He crucified? What does that mean? What does that mean in my life now? What does that mean in people's life? You know, Brandon and I were sharing our faith today, and we're just, it was just sobering to walk through the campus and walk through and see all the different types of people and to hear people talk. You know, we met someone who was, we met a lot of open people, by the way, who were really excited to come to church. We also met people, you know, one guy was, he was a, he was a Catholic, a Protestant, a Mormon, and now he is a, a, a pagan, he said. You know? And I was like, wow. And he said, are you with the guy who was calling people names and preaching the gospel out on campus today? I said, what do you mean? He's a guy with a billboard. And he's saying people are going to hell. And he's yelling at them. And he's calling out the girls dressed inappropriately. And he's saying terrible things that I can't even say out loud in this midweek. But he's calling them basic prostitutes, essentially. Saying that to them. Preaching that to them. Yelling at them. Holding a Bible in the sky. And I'm saying, you know, God's going to use everything, right? He uses everything. It's funny, we met some people, they, then they, they, were, they were like, yeah, did you see that guy? He made me think, Yeah. Yeah, I'll come to church. I was like, come on, man. Whoa. Thanks a lot, bro. You're helping us out, you know? <laughs> but still, just to even think about that guy. That guy needs the gospel. Then we walked around. We just saw all these different types of people who needed Jesus so much. And it just struck me that everyone can believe and be saved. And the sadness people feel. And the people that they're just they're, you can tell in their voice, in their heart, they've lost hope that there's a God. You know, and then the hope that you feel when someone says, "Yes, I've been looking for this." And then I was sharing my faith with someone, and they were open. And then I saw this girl, and she was like, 
She almost was like, like, ask me. So we went to her. We said, she was like, what are you doing? And we asked her, and she said yes. And it was amazing, just, just the eyes. And then we talked to this gentleman who's been really enjoying church and coming. And he said, you know, my dad, he walks around. He told me to walk around the school when I was in high school and just imagine them begging me to help them to know Jesus. And, and, you know, that was hard for me to do in high school, but now I understand. And just the aspect that just keeping Jesus crucified in your heart like that and seeing people and just going, Jesus died for you. I walked around with so much more grace. Even when people said no to me, I looked at them and loved them. When people said yes to me, I looked at them and loved them. And, you know, it's funny, just they, they saw something different. And, you know, who are we? We're sinners. But we had a different spirit than maybe that guy did, amen? Then we went up to the guy. We wanted to talk to him. You know, and I wanted to talk to him. And he said, you're a preacher. He just turned around, almost like, I don't want to, I'm not here for you. And he kept preaching. And he said, righteousness, judgment to come, righteousness, and judgment to come. And people were drawing you were loved all around him in chalk. This is on the USM campus today. This is what's happening today in the student campus ministry. And people were huddled around. And this Buddhist guy was like, let me introduce you to this preacher guy, Ezra's friend. What's his name? Owen. Owen. He was like, Owen, come over here and bring it over here. So, and then he's like, I want you to meet my pastor friend. And he turned around and looked at us again. He's like, just kept preaching. And just the thought that, we all need the gospel. You know? And just to think, wait a second. What about this guy? This guy's a sinner. This guy needs Jesus. If he spent all his life preaching the word like this, he'd still need Jesus. Right? And so just thinking about the fact that that's our focus right now. Resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Um... I want you to write down these scriptures. John 6, 28. Just run your own study. You can write these down. Romans 3, 10. Can you guys read that? I'm sorry. 3, 23 through 4, 8. And Revelation 2, 2 through 5. Um, I want you to think about this. You've heard this expression before, preach the gospel to yourself. Okay, you ever, who's heard that expression before? We just talked about that. What's that mean? Anyone like to share what that means? Preach the gospel to yourself? The first person you've got to preach the gospel to is yourself. What, is, what does that mean? Brandon. I need to be inspired. I need to be convicted by the cross, by the by the love of Christ before I can share that with somebody else. You know? um, I think it was Kevin Miller used to say, like, you have to be inspired first before you can inspire others. And I think with the gospel, it's like, wow, do I, am I in touch with the power of the gospel? Because if I don't see it as powerful, if I haven't really heard the gospel mm. the way that it, it's clearly written in the Bible, no way I'm going to share it with anybody else. It's just going to be information. Yeah. But not really life-changing 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else want to share? The other Owen? Yeah, yeah. We have a gospel theology that we understand. Like, we are saved, right? We're saved by faith and grace, right? But then emotionally in our hearts, there can be disharmony there. You know what I'm saying? We can beat ourselves up still because we're not doing enough. We can feel less than. We can feel that those gods upset at us because we're not doing great in this area and that area. You know, there is a conviction of sin that the Holy Spirit gives us, amen, and that, that's because God loves us that he does that. But when we walk around feeling less than and don't feel the gospel in our life, that's when we need to preach it to ourselves. You know, first it's just that we're saved by grace and not by works. You need to preach that to yourself. Seriously, guys. Can I get an amen? amen? You need to preach that to yourself. You're saved by grace, not by works. You know, I love John 6. What is the works that God requires of us? What a question. Huh? Whoever said that question, I'm like, yeah, man. Good question. He says, believe in the one who, sent, who was sent. That's it. Believe in, the, believe in the one he sent, Jesus Christ. Right? That, that's, I need to hear that. And when I feel like so lightened up, like, wait a second, I just have to hold on to this guy? I just have to be resolved to know Jesus and him crucified? Then I feel like I can do greater things. Don't you feel inspired when you don't feel dutiful by it? Right. Yeah. Well, I gotta go to Mimi because, you know, it's just what we do. I got to do this. I got to go share my faith because, you know, who am I? I got so much. And when we're motivated by the fact that, you know, it's just God's going to be upset at us if we don't share our faith. I think God wants you to share about him because he's going to be down on you. You know, I don't share about my wife like that. Well, my wife's in the room, so I got to share about her. She's going to be upset at me. Let me tell you how good her cooking is. Let me tell you how my life's been changed because of Danielle Petruzzi. You all know that. Right? You all know that because it comes out of me. That's the same thing with Christ. Let me tell you about my friend, Jesus yeah. Christ. And, and for us, it's just we need to realize that we are free. Amen? Mm -hmm. We are free. Yeah. We are free from sin. And this is going to take us a lifetime to understand. But we need to preach it to ourselves. Second thing is, no one is righteous. Not even one. So stop thinking you're going to be righteous enough to go to heaven. You're not. You're not. No one's righteous. Not even one. That's what the Bible says. We are all justified by Jesus. Abraham, in, in Romans 4, you guys can think about this. The one who trusts and doesn't work. 
there's something there, guys. When you trust and stop working. Are we working for our salvation? Are we still working? Being a spiritual person does take hard work, amen? Yeah. It does take hard work. But why are we working? We're working to become like Christ. Yes. We're working to know who he is. We're working to make him happy with us. Because he's done so much for us. That's right. That's right. We, we're working because we want to. We want to please the Master. We want. We feel grateful. And I want you to think about the Revelation Scripture. He says, do what you did at first. That's a, that's a Scripture to think about. Do you remember when you first heard the Gospel? Not when you first heard a message speak, but when it hit you. That's when you first heard the Gospel. Amen? I know some of us grew up in church. Some of us heard a lot of gospel messages. But when it hits you, and you really got it, and you're like, what? He died for me? He died for me? That's when everything changes. That's when everything changes. Um, this is the scripture that helps me so much. This scripture. I have to go to this scripture. I meditate on the scripture. I feel like Simon Peter. I feel like Simon Peter, I, I think, you know, you probably go, yeah, if there was a Bible character, Simon Peter, maybe, you know, put your foot in your mouth sometimes, you know, a loud sinner, right? I'm that kind of person. You know, I, I, I shared a couple times with people as I shared my, I came to, to my first service hungover drunk, right? And this is a true story. I sobered up after the fifth song, though. I don't know what it was. It was the hugs or what it was. But I sobered up quick. I was like, oh boy, this is real church, you know? And I was changed after that. You know, it, it was amazing. But I felt like Peter, when he caught the fish, he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You know, at my heart and my core, that's what I felt before I said it about. There's no way I can know if I'm right with God. There's no way I can change this. I'm enslaved to this and that. I'm purposeless. I felt that. On the outside, you wouldn't see it, but in the inside, I felt that. And when I, when I still go to God, I feel like, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. What's the scripture that you relate to the most in the Bible? You know, what's the scripture that hits you? This one hits me the most. And what Jesus says back, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. That's exactly what he did to me in my life. He said, don't worry. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. The gospel made me afraid. It made me afraid because I, I felt hypnotized by the gospel. Meaning that I felt there's no going back after this. When I hear about this Jesus who died for me, there's no going back. How can I go back to that life? There's no way. You know, I might sometimes rub shoulders with that life. I might mess up sometimes. I might, But I can't go back. There's a truth I know. This man Jesus died for me. And there's no going back. 
And that's how I felt. And that's what he says. He says, they pulled up their boats to the shore, left everything, and followed him. You, yes, quiet time every day, amen? That's a good thing to do. But I believe preaching the gospel to yourself is a part of your quiet time. If the gospel's not involved in your quiet time in some way, it's, it's, it's the other stuff. Thinking about the gospel is important. And I want you just to think about that for a second. When, when you were the first time you heard it, what hit you? What moved you? Even now, are you like, oh man, this, I'm not getting this, Glenn. I don't understand what you're saying. This is boring me, this message. I'm with you, man. Sometimes I could feel that way. But maybe it's hitting you. It's going to take some time, I believe, in the fall for us to get this. And I think we need to pray. I don't think it's going to come from just, oh yeah, this lesson really hit me. Mm-hmm. It's going to come when you go back to the scriptures, when you get with Jesus. And you have that experience with Jesus. And you're moved by the gospel. You're moved by it. Um, I want you to think about, if you had to share your conversion study in two minutes, what would you say? If you had two minutes to share it, what would you say? How would you say it? What, what touched you about the gospel? What moved you about the gospel? Some of us should share it on Sunday, but for all of us to share it, what, what moved us? What changed us? And hopefully that, that can be, that we can do that. Um, I'm going to introduce this, this prayer real quick to us all. And I put it on the Facebook, um, Facebook page just now. I put it on there. And it's called the Gospel Prayer. And I know that, what's the Gospel Prayer? Well, I've been reading a book, and it's about the Gospel. Amen. And it's, it's, and you know, like, I thought at first, the Gospel Prayer, like, there's so many prayers. There's the Lord's Prayer, right? There's the, there's the, uh, the Psalm 23 prayer, you know what I mean? Lord's my shepherd. There's lots of prayers in the Bible. There's lots of things we can do, but I want to suggest us to think about and pray about these. And they're meant to be prayed one at a time. You might spend a week, a month, on the first prayer. The first prayer is incredible. In Christ, there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more. Nothing I have done that makes you love me less. At first, when you look at that, you're like, that's not right. But then we read scriptures like Romans 5. While we were sinners, you know, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. What if you lived like that? What if there was, you realized that God loves you no matter what. There's nothing you can do. What if I preached to 150 people today, Lord? I love you. That's not changed. I, Lord, do not change. His love for me and his love for you never changes. Total acceptance in Christ. He says first, in Christ. That's an important thing you see there. In Christ. Amen? Amen. That's, it. That's two words, but those are big words. What's it mean to be in Christ? It means to be in the body of Christ. 
in Christ, baptized into Christ, that you obeyed the gospel, you, you, you obeyed the message of salvation. But now that you're there, now that we're all in there, most of us are in there, all of us are in there, we now are loved. We are loved with all God's love. Second one, your presence and approval of all I need for everlasting joy. That's a hard prayer too. All I need is your approval, Lord. Your presence and your approval. We're going to talk about that in later movies. As you have been to me, so I will be to others. This is what I felt today on campus. I haven't felt, sometimes when I share my faith, I'm like, okay, let's just, you know, see how people respond. And I'm focusing on how people respond. But this time I was focusing on how would Jesus respond to these people. And man, that was different. That was so different. It felt so good to love people the way Jesus loved them. To tell you the truth, ministry can be hard sometimes. And I feel sometimes like, oh man. Don't we feel like that sometimes? We bear with each other? You're like, oh boy. Here we go again. You know, man. Oh, dude, this is hard. You know, even in our own life, right? Sometimes people can annoy you in the church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but, you know, when you actually have that, this understanding, wait, how much does Jesus love me? This is nothing. You know what it is? It's the, it's the, the trillion dollar debt I had, and this guy owes me 20 bucks. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, go ahead, man. Don't worry about the 20 bucks. You know, there's a trillion. I owe this other guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's all good. You know, and, and there's a power you can feel. And this is the gospel, right? And the last one, and I'm still learning this one, as I pray, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. That's an exciting prayer right there. You know, what is compassion? Compassion is measured by the cross. And, and that means that there's not a lot of limits to how much compassion we can have. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the litmus test. That's the, that's the thing we put it in the background to everything else that we have compassion with. It doesn't mean that one drop of water or one glass of water isn't so important. I was loving Charlie the other day. We were studying the Bible with someone. He kept giving this brother... This guy was studying with water. Just kept giving him water. He was kind of having a hard time speaking. I, I was amazed. Charlie just kept going back and getting water for this guy. And I was like, you know, you know I, was, I was like, I felt like, oh, is he going in and out just getting water for this guy? And I'm like, I felt even a little uncomfortable. I was like, you don't have to do that, dude. Just, he's got water already. He, then he brought two waters for the guy. <laughs> I was like, man, Charlie. You know what I mean? And... And of course, this guy was like, <coughs> and, and then he brought more water. I was like, oh my goodness. But you know, Charlie, he just, he just wanted to help this guy. He wanted to love this guy. He wanted to show him he loved him. And yet, man, that's, that's like Jesus, right? That's the cross. And so there's no measure. That's the measure, right? The power of God by the resurrection. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do... Our midweek is going to consist of really getting in touch with these prayers and understanding these prayers and teaching these prayers, how this means 
for us, but I want us to start trying to pray them now. So I put them on the Facebook. I want us to spend um, some time going through these scriptures, preaching the gospel to yourself, and then trying to say this prayer. And it just means, God, it's hard for me to feel like you love me no matter what I do. It's hard for me sometimes. Not because of what you did on the cross. Not because of what you proved everything. But my emotional brokenness can sometimes feel like I gotta do more. Or I gotta do I gotta do even more. You're, you're never totally there yet. You know, whatever that means for us. And you're just going through the prayer and thinking about that and praying about that. This is gonna be a powerful thing for us all to do. Um even if you don't say the prayer, one of the things I want you to think about is how are you going to preach the gospel to yourself? If your young Christian self came back or up to the future and was like, hey, Glenn, what's up? Who would be more fired up? Who would be more grateful? If you're like, you know, the young Christian would be more grateful. He'd be more zealous. He'd be more... Then, then we got some work to do, right? Because... Paul, do you feel like he got less grateful or more grateful? More grateful. Was he more zealous or less zealous? More. Yeah, that's, that's because of the gospel. That's because he kept getting deeper and deeper into it. So what I'd like us to do, and, and I know um, some of us got to get the kids, but I, I'm going to say a prayer, but if, if we can just have some fellowship and just share during fellowship, what was it like for you when you first heard the gospel? Just to have some fellowship. I know we can talk about other stuff, but to really be purposeful in that fellowship and go, what, when was the first time you heard it? What moved you about Jesus and what he did for you? Okay, guys? Amen. And we'll have, you know, after that, we'll have a great fellowship. I'm excited about this series. I'm grateful that you're my brothers and sisters. I'm so thankful that we all can share in the gospel and we can share the gospel with other people. And that's what's exciting, too, is when you start feeling that gospel, and understanding it, and getting in touch with it. It's so easy to share. It's not a chore to share. It's, it's a joy to share. And fear just goes away because you just feel so unashamed of the gospel. Because how much it changed you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's say a prayer, and then we'll have a fellowship. Lord God, um, God, help us understand gospel. <laughs> Lord, um, I know we understand it, and then I also know we don't. Lord, I, I want to get deeper in the gospel. I want to get deeper in 